Want to make a podcast? Spotify has got a platform that lets you make one super easily and distribute it everywhere and even earn money all in one place for free. It's called Spotify for Podcasters, and here's how it works. Spotify for Podcasters lets you record and edit podcasts right from your phone or computer. So no matter what your setup is like, you can start creating today. Then you can distribute your podcast to Spotify and everywhere else your podcasts are heard. Video podcasts are also available on Spotify. And when you want to take conversations with your fans to the next level, Q&A and polls are the best way to get them talking. With Spotify for podcasters, you can earn money in a variety of ways, including ads and podcast subscriptions. And best of all, it's totally free with no catch. Ever since I've discovered Spotify for podcasters, I just enjoy putting these podcasts out for everyone to really like. I highly recommend you give it a try. It's so easy to use. Download the Spotify for Podcasters app or go to www.spotify.com slash podcasters to get started today. It's 49ers cutback podcast time. Wow, that's interesting. Oh my goodness, Ant. Yeah. <laughs> Apologies, chat. Something happened there. I don't know what happened. Yeah, I don't I don't know what happened either. Just um, sh- just shrink me down. We don't we don't need I was say we don't need all that much of me. There we go. That, that's way yeah. better. That's already significantly better, Ant. That's about as much of me as we need. Holy yeah. cow. Good golly almighty. Yeah, so so that that was interesting. We're off, we're off to an auspicious start here. Oh man, you gotta love uh, you gotta love when I have to call in virtually and because life circumstances and situations. But look at that in a quick fix, it's all ready and it is Forty Nineers Cutback Podcast time. What's going on, chat? Yeah, what is up, everyone? I hope everyone's having a good day, and we're gonna get into this Forty ers update uh, episode because there is a lot of stuff that's gonna be going on uh, in Forty Nine er land and. Uh, we have some Tony Romo comments, which I know I want to get into because uh, Romo had some interesting things to say. And then, of course, now you got Bucky Brooks just coming out talking quarterback situation. So there's just a lot of stuff going on, Alex. And I'm ready to get into it. I agreed with you. Tony Romo's comments are always interesting. Anything that Tony Romo has to say really about football at this point, I'm all for Ant. Um, he's not playing anymore, but his insight is phenomenal. It's fantastic. It's uh, very well thought out and and. Uh, it, it's hard to really want to pick apart anything Tony Romo says in a negative sort of fashion. And then again, you know, everyone can find the different things they feel one way or the other. Uh, Bucky Brooks comments were interesting because a lot of what he said um, are things that we have felt uh, about Jimmy Garoppolo and this whole situation, you know, what Jimmy is as a quarterback strengths and weaknesses, et cetera. Uh, but TCC, let us know what you're thinking in the comment section down below right now about all of these comments. If you haven't heard, uh, we're going to be getting into it. So there's, there's that. <laughs> Yeah, and what is well, what is up, everyone that's in chat? We got, I mean, all kinds of people lighting up uh, chat right now. 
thankful to have everyone there. And, and Lou saying he gave me a follow-up comment because me and Lou have been having a fun conversation in the comment sections on one of the videos. So if you haven't saw that, go check that out and let us know what you think about all the stuff to ask to go on with uh, Jimmy Garoppolo. Um, but yeah, there's a lot of cool stuff. And what's up, Niner Sickness? Uh, welcome to chat. Uh, this is going to be a fun conversation because when it comes down to it, for whatever reason, Alex, the quarterbacks are always going to be the topic of conversation because they're still Jimmy Garoppolo. They're still uh, everything that has to happen with Trey Lance, the unknowns. Um, so this is going to be one of those things I think everyone's going to want to talk about the entire time. And the whole time, everyone, what's up, Luke Luna? Everyone, go ahead and start filling chat with any questions you have because we will do live Q&A the entire time. Uh, that's what it's about. So hop in there as well. So Tony Romo's comments, I thought some of them were pretty interesting uh, because he believes that Trey, he, he kind of gave his synopsis of why he believes Trey Lance is going to be uh, successful for the 49ers. And the way he said it uh, was, was interesting. Number one, I like that he says Trey's going to be successful, but he kind of says he thinks anyone can because he says, I think anyone in Kyle Shanahan or Sean McVay's world is going to have a chance to succeed at the quarterback position. Uh, I think these guys allow your team to have advantages, but I think that's going to help a lot. Really, they run the football, set up these play-action passes that get people wide open. So you're always going to have at least two or three chunk plays that other play other teams don't get. And that's what's going to be 50 to 75 to 100 yards a game on stuff that comes from coaching. That's a bonus for Lance. What do you think about what Tony Robo had to say about Kyle Shanahan and Sean McVay and how they benefit a quarterback? Um, I think this is speaking from experience, right? I mean, that's the first thing that I thought of when I saw these comments and started hearing about it and actually went through and, and you know played through the, the comment and what he said, because it's not just about the words and tone inflection, how it comes off, you know, what kind of confidence he's speaking with. And he spoke, he spoke about it as if like it's fear. Like he's having nightmares because of the situation he was in in Dallas, where he didn't necessarily have, you know, a, a world beater of a coach going on there with Jason Garrett during his time there with, with the Cowboys and the things he experienced as a coach or as a player, excuse me, with a coach. Um, so he didn't have that level of coach. He didn't have that kind of guy sitting there calling plays, making your job and making your life easy. Um, Tony was responsible for making his own life easy. Tony was responsible for making things happen for the Dallas Cowboys. So you have that. You have that going for Tony Romo and, and that that and his his understanding of this quarterback situation. Um, but the fact that he also went on further to state later later on in this conversation that you know the Niners viewed very viewed Jimmy Garoppolo very highly. And if they're really willing to go with Trey Lance, it means one of two things. Either they view Trey at the same level of Jimmy Garoppolo or they view him more. Um, regardless of that, he's two years in. That's a good thing for Trey Lance. It also may you know, show the Niners hands in terms of what they want to do with Jimmy Garoppolo going forward. If they view him as almost equal to Trey Lance, then they value him extremely highly and they're not going to want to move him to a division rival or any sort of rival. And if they view Trey as far superior, then they're willing to cut ties with Jimmy at all costs. Yeah, maybe, you know, and, and Paul kind of said it, you know, could it be a little bit of an underhanded comment, you know, comment? I think it could be thought of that way by the way that he said it. I thought it was interesting the way that he kind of acted like any quarterback that's in Kyle Shanahan or Sean McVay's system, you know, could handle this at a, at a high level. So uh, maybe that's what it sounds like. But I think what it comes down to is we do understand that Kyle Shanahan does give the 49ers a lot of 
ability from the quarterback position to be able to have a young quarterback be successful. And we've seen the things he already did with Jimmy Garoppolo. So that's why part of the belief is, and I mean, that's why you see some of these numbers. I saw today uh, a little a stat line prediction for Trey Lance, and it was 4,000 yards passing and 28 touchdowns with 10 interceptions. And this is kind of the thing that some people believe that Trey Lance can do for the football team. I thought that was a pretty interesting stat line, but um, there's going to be a lot of a lot of fun stuff to come from this. But we have some good co- uh, some good questions already. Uh, so let's let's get into one right here that I saw that came through from D. Will. He says, "Is it true that Jimmy's camp has greenlit uh, to ta- uh, greenlit him to talk with other teams?" And yes, that's true. That actually came from his agent Don Yee. So. Jimmy Garoppolo is a, actually, I believe it was Albert Breer. Albert Breer said it. So he's able to negotiate with other teams to potentially work out a contract that would work out. And I think that was big news that came from the 49ers and uh, I, I, from 49ers land it's not really the 49ers per se but uh, the fact he's able to negotiate means that he can work out his contract because with him not having a guaranteed contract it means they can cut a lot so if jimmy wants to be a starting quarterback and a team's willing to trade for him to be a starting quarterback they can definitely work out the money to make it happen uh correct this that's not a surprise or a shock at all um i think it's just it's surprising and shocking to some people because you know there has been no movement on the Jimmy Garoppolo front. So hearing that you know, he's now allowed to at least negotiate and engage in discussions with these teams about his contract and what that may mean. I think the 49ers are also starting to realize, right. What's what it's going to require to, to move him off. Maybe, maybe them having to eat some salary or at least, you know, him having to them having to do something with that salary, whether they have to do something or another team has to do something. So it's better to figure out what these teams are willing to do with his contract. So you have a better idea of, how much leverage you may have come, you know, time to, to pull the trigger for a trade. I also saw Vivian there in chat was asking, you know, she asked if, uh, if we thought that there was going to be a Purdy Garoppolo and Sudfeld sighting at the start of camp. And I think it's entirely possible for the start of camp for all three quarterbacks to be there, but I don't know if they're going to all three be there very long, because I think ideally you'd like to get Jimmy out of there within a week or two of training camp starting. Yeah, that was another thing that came out was that, you know, Don Yee said they expected Jimmy Garoppolo to be traded by the end of the end of the month. And the end of the month is when training camp happens. So I think the belief is that Jimmy Garoppolo is not going to be with the 49ers for training camp. I don't know if we'll actually see him. If they are close uh, to trading Jimmy Garoppolo, I don't think they have him even show up. You know, I think it's kind of like they did with the minicamp and OTAs. It's kind of like, hey, Jimmy, you know, you're excused from showing up because it doesn't make sense for him to come out there if he's going to be traded uh, because they don't want want him to get hurt. Now, Brian Baldinger said the 49ers are going to probably have to work him out and have him practice uh, and play during the preseason to show other teams that he's capable and ready to go. I don't know if that's needed. According to Matt Barrows, uh, Jimmy Garoppolo has been throwing for the last two weeks, which is a, a more big news that Jimmy Garoppolo is getting closer and closer to being cleared by doctors. And if he does get cleared, that's when something can actually happen. That's true. A, a, little, a little shocking to hear that it's been the last couple of weeks because there were no reports and in a shocking turn of events and in a shocking, uh, shocking details, the Niners don't leak. <laughs> so nobody had any idea that he'd been throwing for, for two weeks and not that he was getting close to being ready to throw or, you know, throwing here the last few days. It's been a few weeks. So uh, good on the Niners once again for keeping things under wraps and just waiting to see what, what was going to happen and, and just letting it kind of play out the way that they need to. And, you know, letting teams know who need to know. And I, look, I, I salute the San Francisco 49ers for that. Uh, at the end of the day, people are going to feel whatever way they want to feel about the Jimmy Garoppolo situation. You held on too long. You're not going to get as much for him as you could have. 
uh, bloody bloody blah, blah jimmy torpedoed this whole thing his agent torpedoed it however you feel about it the jimmy garoppolo saga is officially coming to an end here sometime soon let's just hope uh, the niners benefit uh, greatly from it that would be uh, that would be fantastic for this organization yeah and i see shane uh, from arizona 49ers empire said how about espn ranking george kittle the number one tight end baby let's effing go uh, that was definitely something to talk about. And so we'll talk about that just for a second. Give a little quick break uh, from Jimmy Garoppolo to talk George Kittle. And I don't think this is a shock to anyone that resides in 49ers red and gold. Everyone knows that, that George Kittle's the best tight end in the entire league. And every time he goes out there, he proves it, whether it's blocking where he's the best receiving, which he's right up there with Travis Kelsey as the best receiving tight end in the league. And then overall ambassador for the sport and attitude, which he plays uh, leadership qualities. I think for sure that George Kittle is the number one tight end in the league. Uh, not wrong. Uh, this, this is not a surprise. It's not a shock. Um, I, look, I, I get it. The receiving numbers have not necessarily been there in terms of the explosive leading the league in receiving yards at the tight end position. But he isn't far behind Travis Kelsey and these other top elite tight ends, the Zach Ertz's of the world, the, the Dallas Goddard's of the world, whoever, whatever tight ends around the league, Gasecki from, from Miami, whatever tight ends you want to throw in the category of elite receiving tight ends. Uh, George Kittle hasn't necessarily put up the huge numbers that they have. Uh, Mark Andrews, I can't forget about that gentleman from Baltimore. Uh, but at the end of the day, George Kittle is the best at both things, both at both aspects of what you need out of your tight ends, the blocking in the run game, also pass pro, as well as receiving and route running all of the, the aspects that you need to do as a tight end. He does at a high level. So him being ranked number one by ESPN. Um, I know we joke all the time about ESPN PFF rankings that them not getting it right. Uh, you know, a, blo a broken clock can be right twice a day. Uh, and in this case, Ant, this is one of them. Yeah, I'll, I'll go ahead and take ESPN's list on this. You know, I mean, anytime you put my guy George Kittle as number one, uh, I'm excited about it. But I did think that was good news because a lot of times, even though George Kittle is well-respected around the league, uh, he has been getting put as two three some people putting waller ahead of him sure. you know of course travis kelsey is the the guy that i mean you never argue with the fact that travis kelsey's up there he's one of the best to do it in the league um another guy that's the one of the best to do it in the league is bomber t's talking about debo samuel and he says is debo getting an extension or a tag and alex i still believe debo samuel is going to get an extension i think 100%. the next two weeks are times to watch him because I believe that's when we're going to see the extension come through. This is on par with what the 49ers do. And I actually was listening to John Chapman and Wayne Breezy talking about this, and they were trying to predict the date. And they were talking about how, you know, Fred Warner got his done in July on July 21st and that George Kittle got his done August 13th. If I remember right, though, George Kittle's came right before, you know, the kind of the, the, the COVID time. So it was a little bit different when training camp was starting. So I think they're still going to get this done probably right when the training camp starts or at the beginning. Uh, so I kind of expect this to happen here pretty soon. I don't think they want to tag him. I think that's a, the worst case scenario. Uh, a worst case scenario is a tag and, and a tag is happening possibly towards the end of training camp, maybe even going into the season uh, there. They are not going to rush to jump to tag Debo Samuel. That'd be silly. It'd be absolutely silly thing to do. Uh, it is the worst case scenario. The last resort if you can't get a deal done, because you and I both know, and a lot of TCC know this as well, and 49ers fans, hopefully a lot of no, people know this as well. With Debo, you could tag him for two years. So it can be your backup plan for the next two seasons, but it should not be your first result. If we get a couple days into training camp and you guys are, they're, they're not close yet in terms of where money needs to be, 
you're hoping the Niners aren't pulling the trigger and trying to tag a guy like this because that may mean that, hey, if this guy's not going to be reasonable about what we're going to do, maybe we need to make some tough decisions here at the end of the year about Debo Samuel going forward. Yeah, it could be. You know, I don't think anything's going to happen with this, you know, with the the tag or anything until we get into next year. Um, we'll see what happens with that if they end up franchise tagging him. But I think they're going to work towards an extension and end up getting this thing uh, done. And then Lou says, Dan Silio knew but our beat writers didn't seems weird about Jimmy Garoppolo throwing for the last two weeks. Yeah, it's, it's odd. It's odd that nobody knew that nobody reported it. No one talked about it. There were no whispers or rumblings of it. It's, 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 it's odd. But again, we're talking about and dealing with San Francisco here. Um, and he's still a member of the San Francisco 49ers. So there's a way you carry and operate yourself in, in this building. And it, it seems like, despite Jimmy being on the outs with San Francisco, that he's still upholding a San Francisco-esque, San Francisco-esque, what's the right word here? And it's more of like a standards, I guess, standards in terms of how he carries himself outside of the building. Yeah, I think you're right. You know, I really do. I think that, um, that I don't think that, and this is one of the things that came through. Paul was saying, you know, the 49ers haven't really been, uh, tagging anyone you know what i mean so the niners don't normally tag people i do think that is something that they don't wish to do they want to work out these deals and and really get it done so um and and bomber t says what do you think about debo being ranked ninth amongst wide receivers i'm gonna be 100 honest it's it's a bit high it's it's a bit high i I would probably put him at 10 in in most circles and situations only because he's only done it one year it's one year of, of really excellent, fantastic production. If we're talking about just pure, pure wide receiver, the pure wide receiver positions, um, Debo hasn't done it consistently to be a guy that that probably deserves to be any higher than that top 10 category. Uh, that being said, if you factor in everything else Debo Samuel is as a football player, then he's easily top 10, if not top five. But the, but the ranking is wide receiver. And as a wide receiver, Debo Samuel is great underneath on short stuff. He can take the top off the defense. He can, uh, he runs really well with the ball in his hand. The raptor catchability is phenomenal. It's fantastic. Um, but there are questions about route running and, and how good he is one-on-one in space versus corners because we don't see that a lot from him. He's a guy who at times needs a coach who can scheme him up. But that's the great thing about San Francisco. You have that coach in Kyle Shanahan who knows what his strengths are and knows what his weaknesses are. And he plays the Debo's strengths um, and he's taking advantage of it. Yeah, I think as a receiver, Debo is is top ten. I think as you know, a overall football player, he's one of the guys that's top five uh, because the guy can do so many things. And I'm talking offense because him as a wide back, him being able to carry the ball, him in reverses, everything he does is straight dangerous. And I think that is where he gets the most of his rankings. And that's why, as a wide receiver, I don't believe he deserves twenty five million dollars. But as a wide back, I definitely do believe he deserves twenty five million dollars. And when it comes down to it, that's what T.O. is asking. What would the tag money be for Debo? It would be the a percentage of the top money. So he would still get around $21, 22000000 million on the franchise tag next year, which is a significant raise. I don't think he's going to turn down that kind of uh, money, but I think he wants to get a deal done. The Niners want to get a deal done because they have Nick Bosa coming up next year that they're going to have to work with, that they're going to have to get something done with. So I think they're going to get this thing done in time. But what is that money going to look like? I think with every contract that's came out, it's getting closer and closer to $25 million, which before the free agency started, Alex, we were thinking 18 to 20. So it's definitely escalated over this period of time uh, through free agency and now getting closer to training camp. 
No, you're right. And and look, I think the reality with with all of this with with Debo is. Uh, I think you and I both originally kind of thought 25 million was like the high end number that you could afford to pay him and probably wasn't outrageous if he was going to be this dual threat guy who could do a lot of different things in your offense. Um, so if you end up having to pay him $25 million, I'm, I'm not going to sit here and complain. Ideally, I'd love the number to be less. I think the 49ers would love the number to be less. Debo obviously wants the number higher, if not at least that. So I, I think they come in right around that number. I think there'll be some years that are maybe, maybe don't like him rise way above 25 million. I think 25 ends up being like the high point for a few of these, but uh, the reality is at the end of the day, the Niners are going to do what's best for this team and this organization short-term and long-term Debo Samuel being on your team short-term is gigantically important to this team. And the future of him being on your team is important. So you, you can't, you can't, uh, you can't weigh one more than the other. He is an identity of your offense. You have established that this past season. So unless you plan on drastically shifting away from Debo Samuel in terms of his usage and what you want to do with him, he is going to be a San Francisco 49er. You can't afford him not to be a San Francisco 49er. Yeah, he he's so important to what Kyle Shanahan wants to do on offense. I mean, he is an absolute linchpin, you know, to what he does. And uh, they have the key guy set now. You know, they have George Kittle, they have Debo Samuel, and now they're getting that running back room figured out with Elijah Mitchell and the things that he can do and add to this team. You expect Brett Ayuk to take another step forward, uh, which is really big for the team. So I do think that, you know, he's very impar- or very needed for the 49ers. I think they have to have Debo Samuel, and I think they're going to show that because they're going to give him a contract that's going to be worthy of what he has done for the team and what he's going to do for the team in the future. I expect it to be four additional years onto this year currently. So a five-year deal, I'm guessing, you know, upwards of 106, 110 million, somewhere in there, probably with a lot of guaranteed money on top of that. So Debo's going to get paid. He's going to get his money, and the 49ers are going to get the absolute playmaker that Kyle Shanahan loves to use. Uh, you know, that's right, man. They, they love having themselves a playmaker they can use. And Jay in the Bay, Ant, with a four ninety nine super chat. What's yeah, good? what's up, Jay? 49ers cutback crew. What are your thoughts on Jimmy G taking a pay cut to stay with the 49ers to back up trade this season? Give a percentage. You want a percentage? Jay, you're asking for a percentage chance that it happens or like what the roughly the percentage of a pay cut would look like. Um, I, here's the big thing that I would say about this. If Jimmy Garoppolo is staying in San Francisco and taking a pay cut to be the backup quarterback for the 49ers, he's only doing it because there are no other teams that want him as a starter for their organization. Because if he's going to go be a backup somewhere else in the league, you would just stay in San Francisco and where you know you have a championship winning football team, right? Yeah, I mean, I don't think Jimmy Garoppolo wants to be a backup quarterback I don't expect him to take a pay cut to stay in San Francisco. I think he would take a pay cut to be a starter somewhere. Agreed. But I don't think he would take a pay cut to be here in San Francisco unless it looked like he wasn't going to be able to go anywhere. And in that case, he's still going to want to make a lot of money uh, to be a backup for the 49ers. So I don't, I mean, if I, if I had to put a percentage on this, I'm, I'm going 20%, 20%, 20%, maybe 20%. And that may be even high uh, considering I don't, I don't expect Jimmy to want to be here. Now he might not have a choice at some point because the 49ers are definitely, I mean, they're definitely looking like they want to get something back for Jimmy Garoppolo. And I don't blame them for wanting to get something back for Jimmy Garoppolo. I would want to, um, if, if the Niners were to actually take a pay cut, like if Jimmy G was actually to take a pay cut Jay this season, 
I would I would be willing to put the percentage number at like three to five percent. It's going to be something stupidly small because he's not going to want to give up a lot of his money. He just he wouldn't he wouldn't do something like that. Um, I did see Paul asked earlier, Ant, about the franchise tag and when the last time a 49ers player was actually franchise tagged, especially with this current regime. Right. And there actually is one in 2019 before the Niners figured out Robbie Gold's contract extension. They did franchise tag Robbie Gold. Okay, yeah, that does make sense. They they franchise tagged him, prevent him from leaving. That makes sense. Yep. So that's yeah, the only there, other you, name I can think of. And I did see Great One was talking uh, about Debo Samuel. And I, I don't know if he was talking to me or you or, or what he was talking about, but I'd like to make it clear. I do believe Debo Samuel, with the way that the wide receivers are going, deserves over $20 million. That's not the thing. What I was saying was before Christian Kirk got his money, 18 to 20 seemed realistic for what the wide receivers were going to get on the open market. Since it's exploded, Debo's money's definitely went up. And the longer it waits, it's getting closer and closer to 25 million. I have no problems with Debo getting his money. And he's going to get over 20 million. Uh, so I don't know if, if there was a you know a miscommunication there, but that's that's how I feel Debo Samuel's going to get over 20 million and probably closer to 25. Uh, very accurate and very accurate indeed. And Mike Burgos with a $10 super chat. Oh my goodness. doesn't matter who's QB as long as it's managed to Shanahan's liking. The real concern is spending too much on a running back. You're going to burn through in a few years. Anyway, we know, we know what his father did with two running backs. I mean, look, I think that is a fair point to make. Um, I, I think ideally Shanahan has traits and things that he wants out of his quarterback, things he wants them to be able to do. Um, that's why you rolled with Jimmy last year, even though you had all of the upside and high-end athletic attributes with Trey Lance. It's because Jimmy could operate your offense a little bit better than a rookie quarterback with very right. little playing time and experience. Um, but no, I, I, I love that there, Mike. You're not wrong there. No, I mean, and you, the way the 49ers have handled running backs, they haven't been willing to pay you know, big money. They did Jarek McKinnon, and that absolutely failed. That was not, you know, not nothing that worked out. And since then, They've went the cheaper route with everything, and whether it was undrafted free agents or low-round draft picks. And right now, Elijah Mitchell, a six-round pick, is going to be the guy. They have been spending draft capital in the last two years on third-round picks with Trey Sermon and TDP. Um, so there is an influx of young talent coming from Kyle Shanahan, but he's drafting players. He's not going out and signing free agents at the running back position, which I don't believe he's going to do. There was the flirting, of course, a few years ago with Le'Veon Bell. It never materialized which ends up being a great thing for the 49ers because Le'Veon Bell is not even going to be playing this year. He's going to be preparing to box. Uh, yeah, <laughs> dude, he, he talk about falling off quick, man. That was, that was fast. It happened so fast. He went from one of the most coveted sought after running backs in the league to just completely non-existent, basically toxic. Almost. It seemed like to organizations. Yeah, and Brad Jones, Alex, says, apparently rumors around the league have the Giants are seriously uh, considering moving Daniel Jones if the in the first week or so of training camp, or if he's no good in training camp over the first week. I think that's what he's saying. Interesting. Yeah, what do you think about that? Um, look, I think that is a situation where you could see someone like Daniel Jones maybe getting packaged in a deal to San Francisco for Jimmy Garoppolo in which you can get him into it. He can get a fresh target to a new place and be a backup somewhere. And the Niners can move Jimmy and send something off over there. I, I mean, I, I don't think that is the best case scenario, but if you're the giants and Daniel Jones, isn't an option, isn't working out, you're going to want to get him out of there, right? You're not going to want him to sit on the bench behind another guy. 
yeah, I, I mean, you're you're right. Uh, I think that the Giants have always been a sleeper in the in the Jimmy Garoppolo thing. We've kind of brought it up here and there, and then people have been bringing it up consistently over the last two weeks. I think they are an option because I don't think you know their coach is very excited about working with Daniel Jones. I think he wants to get his own guy in, but he does understand what Jimmy Garoppolo can do, um, and he knows he needs a stopgap guy for one year, and that might True. be the best way to go. Um, but we'll we'll see if they end up making a move like that because I, I just don't know. And then Lou is saying no current team is going to pay Jimmy starter money anywhere near his 24.5 current salary. That is entirely accurate. There is going to take some sort of negotiation where he loses money. I think he knows that, but he would be willing to take a pay cut to be a starting quarterback. That's the difference. Uh, if you're going to make him a starting quarterback, I think he would play for 12 to $15 million this year. Seattle sitting up there with $15.5 million in cap space would definitely be willing to sign Jimmy. We don't know what a contract would look like, but, and also what would the 49ers be getting back in return? Because I think they do want a little bit of return on investment. Yeah. You have to get something in, uh, on the in return for investment. And he gave up a lot to go up to get Trey Lance so that you had this, this luxury and ability the following year or the year after to be able to make a decision and make a move. Um, ideally, if you're going to make the move up for Trey Lance um, and be able to move off of Jimmy Garoppolo. The idea wasn't waiting two years to be able to move off of Jimmy Garoppolo. It was to wait one year and then move off of Jimmy Garoppolo. So you get something back for what you gave up. And they were hoping it was going to be a bunch of second round picks, maybe two twos, as we heard. So it kind of lessens the the impact of giving up two ones and, and a two uh, in order to, to move up to get Trey Lance like they did. So um, you're not going to get the two twos back. Uh, you're probably not getting one two back at this point. You're going to get uh some scraps back. And you know what, at the end of the day, if you get some scraps back, that's uh, it's better than nothing at this point, especially if Trey Lance turns out to be the guy you think he can be. Yeah. I mean, I would, will it, depending on what team is there. And I know I seen, you know, it get brought up uh, 187 brought up Falcons. Um, I don't know if the Falcons would be interested, but I mean, in a trade, you know, to the giants, Falcons, Browns, Seahawks, they seem to be the teams that maybe would be interested. I don't know for sure. Um, if you could send Jimmy in a seventh and get like a fourth back or something like that, I think at this time that would be a lot of value. I have a lot of value um, as, as you have a ton of draft picks. So just even increasing the value on those draft picks could be important with Jimmy Garoppolo. So maybe they could do that, but I don't think they want to let him go because of the value that he's had to this football team. Uh, so they definitely wouldn't want to let him go uh, right away. And before we move on, uh, Jay in the Bay had brought up no way the 49ers traded Jimmy to Seattle. I would like to tell everyone in chat, if you have not checked out Jay in the Bay's channel, go check out Jay in the Bay. See what you think about his channel. If you like it, go ahead and give him a subscription because he's a good guy. Uh, fantastic guy, Ant. Uh, fantastic guy. Worked with us all last year during the season is what's good stuff with some of my fa our favorite stuff. To, to produce Ooh. on this channel was phenomenal. So yeah, go give, go show Jay some love TCC. Um, but look, Jay, I, there is a world with the Niners trade Jimmy to Seattle and this is a perfect segue. So thank you for doing this for us because Bucky Brooks commented on this and talked about this specifically. And that if, if the Niners, you know, feel a specific way about, about Jimmy Garoppolo and don't value him as much as, as a Trey Lance and Tony Romo talked about this as well, they could in fact send Jimmy to Seattle and do you do you really think that the Seattle Seahawks would put together the type of package? Because the, the reality is, if the Seattle Seahawks are going to trade for Jimmy Garoppolo, it is going to cost them more than pretty much any other team in the NFL. Yeah, I, I, I think so, because uh, the 49ers are going to have to get something back that they feel is worthwhile. Um, it 
I, I kind of made a joke about this on Slightly Offsides. It's it's over on Patreon and for channel members, if you want to check this out. I made a joke about this because I said, what if the 49ers are just playing ultimate chess here, right? Uh, they trade Jimmy Garoppolo to Seattle. They get something back uh, that's very necessary to their improvement, all the while knowing they can beat Jimmy Garoppolo's Seattle Seahawks team, but that Seattle Seahawks becomes more formidable so they don't get a top 10 pick next year. So then they don't get the big time quarterback they need, keeping them down a little bit longer. It, it's it's probably just a, a, a pipe dream and a, and a myth, uh, but it was fun to think about because I don't think the 49ers actually want to trade with Seattle. I think they'll do it in the draft when it doesn't involve players, uh, but they don't want to improve their team and they don't want to give Seattle Seahawks, a legitimate starting quarterback in this league. Right now, they have Drew Locke. He is unproven. They have uh, Geno Smith. He's unproven. What they With uh, Jimmy Garoppolo, he's proven to be able to win football games. You don't want to improve them and potentially cause a chance of you losing a football game, even though I don't think they will. Uh, Russell Wilson's gone. Ding dong, the witch is dead. However, don't give them another opportunity for Jimmy Garoppolo to get the cauldron going and potentially get you. Look, I, I, it's just too risky. I mean, barring Seattle coming through with something silly like trading two twos and, and something else in order to get Jimmy over here, there's no reason to even consider this, to think about it. Um, personally, would rather hold on to Jimmy than trade him to, to Seattle. I wouldn't even be willing to cut him because he could end up back in Seattle for that exact reason, Ant. You take a team that is not a threat at all right now whatsoever um, in the Seattle Seahawks, and you give them a glimmer of hope. And sometimes that's all teams need is a glimmer. And then they start elevating and doing things that they shouldn't because the culture is right and it's all fitting. All the pieces are fitting together. And Jimmy Garoppolo could go in and operate in a system that is run first, run heavy, uh, that has talented wide receivers on the outside and, and uh, you know, not really skip a beat. He's not going to have necessarily a great O-line over there with, with the Seattle Seahawks. And by no means is Jimmy a statue person in the backfield. He can get out of the pocket occasionally. He can extend some plays. And if he manages to stay healthy, Seattle could go from non-threat to you know, at least a problem. Yeah. And what is up spiding danger? Welcome. What's up Ram station. Always like when uh, opposing teams and, and people from opposing teams come in or content creators and give us an idea of what they're thinking. But Alex, this, this jumped out because Brad Jones, our guy said, would you take a straight up trade DK Metcalf for Jimmy Garoppolo? Oh man, that is, that's tough. And uh, that's it's tough. Really? That's, that's tough. I already made the trade. I, I already sent Jimmy packing. I flew him out there. I bought him a first class ticket. Just see, so just see, so get DK back in here for one. Even if it was for one year, DK Metcalf to go with Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk, and this group. Are you kidding me? What oh, are you yeah. do? What, are you keeping six wide receivers at that point? I don't. I, at that point, I don't care. Ray Ray McLeod, goodbye. We got <laughs> DK freaking Metcalf. <laughs> oh, you know what, though? I didn't think about it that way. I didn't think about Ray Ray. I was actually more thinking about Danny Gray. The concern was actually Danny Gray and what you do in that situation. But now that you brought that up, Ant, then yeah, that, this is prob- that would be a no-brainer. There's no way Seattle does that. That would be crazy. That no, would they're be not insane. Doing it. Yeah, they're, they're not doing it. And you know what? They... They would do. They would trade DK for draft capital because they are building a new a young football team. I mean, Boy Mafi, Tyreek Smith, uh, Kobe Bryant. You know the the guys Kenneth, that added the young dude, defensive Kenneth, talent. Kenneth Walker as well. 
right? They, and really they've upsetting. got Dwayne Eskridge. They've got young players, talented young players. I think for rebuilding, they would do it, but DK is still in his rookie contract. There's no way they want to actually move on from DK Metcalf. They want to work this out financially and just wonder if they're going to be able to. Uh, I don't know. I, I really don't know if they can, dude. I, I, that ain't, It just doesn't feel like that would be something they could pull off if they wanted to. Power Fitness said, what about a dual QB system? It's far-fetched, but it worked for Norm Van Brocklin and Bob Waterfield uh, with the Lambs in the 50s. I think we should keep Jimmy in with trade. It would be special. There's only one problem with that Power Fitness. It was called the Shanna Plan. It was supposed to be last year, and Kyle Shanna has come out since and talked about what that, how hard that was, how difficult it was to adjust to be able to do have both guys go out there in a, in a world where the Shannon plan got executed last year and worked to perfection and Kyle Shannon fan felt great about it you could see that this year them holding on to Jimmy thinking both guys in certain situations give them the best possible outcome but it took him out of rhythm teams are doing weird stuff and different things and he was expecting when quarterbacks were flopping in and out very early in the season and uh it's just a no it seems like it's a non-starter it's not something Kyle will even he won't even attempt it anymore after what he saw last year. Yeah, it threw him out of rhythm. He gave it an op- a chance. He gave, he went through it. The opportunity was there for them to play both quarterbacks in a dual setting. And what happened was defenses, you know, went off the reservation with how they handled each player, and it made him get out of rhythm on what his play calls were going to be. So he's not willing to go that route. And I think that's fair because when Kyle Shanahan is on point, he's one of the best play callers in the entire league, if not the best play caller in the entire league. So him being on target is more important than running a two quarterback system. I think we talked about this last year, both quarterbacks strengths and weaknesses actually match up very well. And together they would make one of the most dynamic quarterback groups, you know, in the NFL, but uh, you just can't do it. So now they're going to move on. And, you know, Eric Dane brought up here. It's not like they need cap space. I mean, who else are they paying? You talking about the Niners? Yeah. I mean, right now they have everything that they need right they have everything they need to operate this season um and whenever it is that you move off of jimmy garoppolo you'll have even more capital if you decide to move off of d ford you'll have more capital so uh, they are they are not in a position where they necessarily have to make a decision i mean obviously if you make one of those two decisions with d and or jimmy your life gets a little bit easier because you have more flexibility and more room but you don't you don't have to i mean neither one of these guys is holding up the the debo samuel deal no, exactly. That that's that's one of the things that I think is is a lot of times hard for everyone to kind of process is Debo Samuel's contract is not going to come from the D, from the Jimmy Garoppolo money. Uh, Debo Samuel, they're going to add four years onto his current rookie deal, and even when they pay him a signing bonus, it might even bring down his 2022 salary to where you're having even more flexibility. Right now, the 49ers have between five and six million dollars in free cap space, which means they have the operational money they need to go throughout the season. That allows them for transactions, allows them to make a trade if needed. They have that money available. They don't actually have to do anything. Um, They could leave Jimmy Garoppolo and his current salary on the books and just go through the season with a 25 uh, or $27 million backup quarterback, 25 of that they're, they're missing out on saving by cutting him. But I mean, minus them wanting to do something else, they don't have to move Jimmy Garoppolo. Now, does Jimmy Garoppolo want to be there as a backup quarterback? No. Do the 49ers potentially want some of that money to do other things or have operational costs to make another move if they need to? Probably. Um, but it doesn't have to happen, which means the 49ers can operate as normal because they basically budgeted for this. 
take out the account of Jimmy Garoppolo being the backup quarterback and just look at the quarterback room. Uh, if your quarterback room is is counting for around, you know, was it $36 million? As far as going into what the league is, that's not that bad. No, and, and uh, I mean, e- even with what Jimmy's making, what Trey's making, you're, you're right in that area, and you're eventually going to be moving off of Jimmy Garoppolo at some point here, which means you're going to be way under what that number is, and it's going to leave you even more money to spend at other positions, at least for the next two to three years, potentially four. Um, because, look, the reality is, is if, if all Trey is here in his first few years is Jimmy Garoppolo in terms of numbers and production, if that's all he is, then the Niners are – in a boat where you have a quarterback who is producing at the same level as Jimmy, just in different ways. And that could take your offense over the top because you have more big plays, more impactful plays, more plays that are broken down plays that he turns into something special because of it. But if the numbers and the yardage are the same, because your run game is so dominant, your defense is so dominant and you're just controlling the ball for huge amounts of time, then Trey's going to get a nice chunk of money, but he may not get that crazy, crazy contract until that second time around or about halfway through, right? Halfway through that next contract. So that's that's the thing that's the most interesting is if Trey doesn't light the world on fire here in his first couple of years, but just plays great football and really great football for a 21-year-old kid and just coming into the league, then you could see a, a first contract for him that's a substantial increase from his rookie deal, but isn't necessarily the big contract that Jimmy Garoppolo gets. And he may not get that contract till closer towards the end of that second second contract yeah the, the one thing i know about trey lance is you know it, he's potentially got four years to be the starting quarterback for the 49ers and in that four years he needs to you know potentially win a super bowl i think that is what john lynch and kyle shanahan are on the hook for i think we're going to see a vast improvement from the young quarterback i think he's gonna he's gonna make a lot of plays this year i think there's going to be super highs there may be a few lows and lulls during the season we'll see what happens there but i think the highs are going to be the things we're going to be excited about and i think if he does come through with some of these big plays and win some really close football games i think everyone can rally behind him a uh, young quarterback doesn't really scare me i mean when you when you look at it it was joe montana in his third year that led the 49ers you know in 1981 to a super bowl so Age is just a number. Now, Joe was a lot more seasoned playing in Notre Dame, going through a lot of big games there, but he didn't actually play a ton of football. He was a lot of times he was a backup. Uh, So I think that looking at it, Trey can have that sort of jump. We'll see what happens, though. If you look at Montana's numbers of that year, they were modest. So I think we have to remember that. Now, what Tony Romo said in, in the regards to Trey Lance and the play action that is what is a perfect marriage for Trey Lance and Kyle Shanahan. Trey Lance is good at operating under the center, turning his back to a defense with a play action, then whipping around and being able to fire the football. That's something that can take off. Also, the waggle game, getting him outside the pocket, allowing him to get the ball downfield are going to be good. You add in Ray Ray McLeod and Danny Gray, who are successful outside the numbers and uh, you know outside the hash marks, getting to the sidelines, getting to the corners. Those are good things for Trey Lance as well. Those are areas he's successful. So they went and added guys that help with that. All the while, that's going to create a void over the middle of the field where Debo Samuel and George Kittle are at their best. I think Kyle Shannon is putting together a nice set of talented players to help his young quarterback. Uh, he definitely is. Ant. Uh, he definitely is. He's, he's going above and beyond in terms of adding weapons to this offense. They have not stopped adding weapons during Kyle Shanahan's tenure. I mean, they have continually gotten better at the wide receiver position, the tight end position. I mean, outside of last year, which I, I think they took a, well, 
I can't say that they took a lateral move because I think they brought in Michael Pruitt Ant, to uh, take over that third spot and he got injured. So they had definitely tried to, it just didn't work out in their favor, um, but they have continually tried to add weapons to this offense. They've continually, you know, improved and developed guys in their systems, whether that's running backs, whether that's wide receivers, whether that's tight ends, no matter what it is on the offensive side of the ball in terms of weapons for their offense, they've had it. Sometimes it's been a free agency. A lot of the time it's been in the draft. They've been great at drafting players, developing them on both sides of the football, but especially on the offensive side as well. So I'm excited to see what that means and, and what it, what it uh, is going to look like going into this season in which you've now added a quarterback with a huge arm, the ability, like you said, to operate and play action extremely well. Uh, it, it operates in that waggle style offense and in getting outside the pocket and be able to create with your feet or at least extend the plays long enough for something to break down. Yeah, and now he has players that can do that. I mean, they're they're top to bottom offensively. They have plenty of weapons. I think question marks still are around the offensive line, though. I mean, this offensive line has got things that definitely need to be fixed. Uh, you have a question mark with Jake Brendel. Now, if, if Brendel is able and capable of playing at the levels that they're kind of talking about right now, questions answered, and, and the 49ers are looking pretty strong because – you have Aaron Banks, who, I mean, we don't know for sure, but the 49ers brass has talked about the fact that if it wasn't for chemistry amongst the offensive linemen, he would have been instituted into the starting lineup last year, which means if that's the case, he's at least a better option than Daniel Brunskill. He is filling in for Lakin Thompson, who went and got the $13 million contract. He's taking over that role and hopefully being able to go to new levels. If those two questions are answered, even with Daniel Brunskill being a serviceable guard, the 49ers should have enough offensive line. But are they going to be able to run block at the level needed to be able to give Trey Lance the time when it gets to play action? Because if you get into third and long situations, it's not so much on Trey, but it's going to be on this offensive line to get in traditional pass set. And Mike McGlinchey, Daniel Brunskill, and those guys have to get in to their kick slides. I'm worried about that sort of situation. I don't want Trey running for his life. I want Trey to look comfortable, feel comfortable. And also, if it's third and short, you have the option to still be able to run a play action, which I would love for the 49ers to be able to do on third and short. But it's all going to come down to how well can this offensive line gel and work together and create for this run game. Uh, agreed with you there. Uh, it, it's going to come down to executing in the run game first and then being able to play off of that and, and utilize that run game and forcing teams into doing certain things or maybe even being overly aggressive with this this 49ers offense and trying to get after Trey and, uh, you know, really stuff that box and stuff the run and try and get your run fits really dialed in um, and basically dare San Francisco to beat you with your arm, which, you know, at times last year worked for teams. Uh, but you got a different quarterback. You got a different skill set. You got a guy who can do different things. And you got a guy who uh, has incredible deep ball touch and, and ability to put the ball out in space and let his receivers go make plays in Trey Lance. Um, not that Jimmy couldn't throw the ball deep. Jimmy, Jimmy could throw the ball long. We've seen Jimmy throw the long ball. The, the problem for Jimmy Garoppolo was just the confidence in which he threw said long ball. Uh, he, he didn't throw it a lot. I don't believe he believes in it. I don't think he believes that's one of his strengths as a quarterback. So he doesn't rely on it, doesn't go to it. Well, Trey is. So if you're a team who's going to run up and play man-to-man, -man, you better be lights out across the board because if one guy loses, it could be the it could spell the end of days for your defense on that drive, even if you play great for the first two downs. Yeah, the 49ers are going to instill fear as far as the passing game goes with the fear of Trey Lance being able to get the ball down the field. They need to take some early shots early in this season. Get the ball down the field to Brian Ayo. Get the ball down the field to Danny Gray. Um, and even Debo Samuel and George Kittle take shots. If they do that, these defenses will 
move off. They'll back up. They'll create these open voids. And Trey being able to, you know, go ahead and locate passes outside the numbers will also widen the defense as well. We've gotten so used to watching the 49ers line up on offense and seeing a crammed box right between the hash marks. So many players in that area and in that box, and that makes it tough. I mean, that's why they've had to run so many sweeps as well. The defense is just completely taking over that area. With Trey Lance, he can kind of spread them out, make them guard more grass, and then as long as this run game can be successful and Danny Gray can take the top off, that means tremendous voids over the middle, and maybe Trey Lance can be more successful. Now, we had Jerry Rice's comments about how hot the balls are coming at you over the middle because he caught passes from Trey Lance, and he talked about that is his one criticism of Trey Lance is Trey needs to take a little bit of velocity off those passes. So the great one speaks, the goat speaks, and he says that and I do think Trey's going to have to work on that because those those passes are ones that usually get tipped and intercepted. Yeah, I mean, it, it doesn't take much. If you're whipping that thing hard across the middle of the field, it really doesn't take much of anything. It could be the grazing of a glove. You'd have a guy who's got, you know, extra large gloves on and he wears a large, large glove typically. And he's got a little, little dinky doodle of his glove just sitting out there. And if it just grazes that ball, it's going to do some weird stuff to it. It's going to take that spin off. It's going to make it flop around a little bit more. It's going to change its its trajectory and, it, and its end point. And a receiver is tracking the ball through the air. It gets nicked you know, uh, half of a second before he's supposed to get there in a blink of an eye, the ball goes from being on target led in space to being slightly behind him and off the back shoulder. And if the hands are in the right spot, you're going to get a tipped ball. That ball is going to fly up in the air. A ball's thrown hard in a shocking turn of events and don't hit objects and then fall straight to the ground. They hit objects and then careen and ricochet in thousands of different directions. Um, it can cause problems. So something Trey will have to work on um, but it's not going to change. That's not going to change overnight. That's not just something that you figure out how to do it. It takes time. And we have a question from a uh, great one it says 40 yards cut back. What's your Danny gray stat projections for the season, Alex? So what are your stat projections for rookie Danny gray? Look, if Danny gray catches the ball 20 times, 20 times in the season for like 300 yards, or even if it's just 20 times ant for like 225 and he's got a couple of plays that are 30 plus more then it's a successful season for Danny Gray. And he's starting to get an idea and an understanding of his role. Now, here's the thing. I can actually foresee a season in which Danny Gray has even less catches than that, where he puts together like a 15 catch, like 15 reception season, but he does like a 15 catch like reception season for like 250 or 300 yards because most of the touches are deep over the top stuff that either turn into big plays or touchdowns, um, you know, 40 yard, 50 yard receptions, because they're just deep shots. It's one-on-one -on -one situations. And when you get it, Trey recognizes it. He realizes that he puts it up in space and lets a speedy wide receiver go run underneath and catch it. I could see that the, my bet though is about 20 receptions, 250 to 300 yards. Yeah, I, I think when it comes down to it with Danny Gray, it's less about how many receptions and more about how far those receptions are, right? We want his average to be like 18 yards per reception. If we're getting something like that, that means he's doing his job for this offense and he's creating situations where Debo Samuel and George Kittle can win over the middle. That's part of his job. That's part of his role 
this year to be able to open that up. Raymond McLeod is going to help with that as well. But I don't know exactly how many catches. I think if we we saw him get 25 like Juwan Jennings got last year, really close to that, I think everyone would be excited about that because in a rookie season, him being able to help. Plus, you just have so many weapons. We just talked about it right now. Debo, Brandon, uh, George Kittle, uh, Ray Ray McLeod, Juwan Jennings. There's so many guys that can get the football. All the while, Kyle Shannon still wants to th run the ball between 30 and 40 times during a game. There's just not that many times that the ball is going to come to you. So when you get those opportunities, take advantage of them, kid. And 18-plus yards per reception, I think, is the goal for Danny Gray. Uh, I would agree with you there. P. Murr said, uh, Danny Gray TD over under five. I'll go under. I will go under five. I'll say he gets four. Uh, yeah, I'm going to go ahead and go under as well. I think he's going to have a good season but I don't think a lot of them are going to be produced with touchdowns, but I think he will have a couple really big play touchdowns this year and then a couple that he gets it done. But I think they have other targets, especially in the red zone, um, that are going to make big plays. But I'm hoping for a, a bunch of really impactful, you know, game-changing, momentum-changing plays uh, from him. So hopefully two of those go for, like, 60-plus. I would love that. Oh, baby boy, I'm thinking, like, a 1,000. <laughs> <laughs> like a thousand a thousand or something brad jones here i'm calling it now danny gray first touchdown score for the entire team will be against the bears in the exact same play they used against the chiefs in the preseason so he's talking about the trade to trent Sherfield little play action rollout where he throws back across his body on the, the little double move there from uh from uh it was trent Sherfield at the time so he's thinking danny gray and the little double move at the top of the route ant yeah, I, I like that. Um, I, I kind of want to go, I, I mean, I don't want to make a full prediction now, so I'm just going to kind of tease something right now that I'm thinking about. Okay. But what if the first touchdown of the year is from somebody that no one expects? And I'm not going to make this, I'll save this for a while, that's bold when we get there in our, in our, in our game preview show, but I'm going to go ahead and tease it. What if it was Tyler Croft that got the 49ers' first touchdown of the season? Uh, I'm not going to be shocked. I won't be shocked. I won't be shocked if it's Tyler Cross. The only name that would shock me, Ant, the only name that would shock me would be Kyle Juszczyk. That's it. It'd be the only guy that would shock me for the first touchdown of the season. You don't think it would be Kyle? I don't think it would be Kyle Juszczyk. It just because it doesn't seem like the Niners go to Kyle Juszczyk in those types of situations. So unless it's like a busted coverage type play in which Juszczyk's running free away from people and Trey lets it fly 30 yards downfield and you catches it at the 50 and there's no one around him unless that happens. And it's a big play. If they get down in the red zone, they're, they're not going to go to Kyle use They're going to stick with their, their guns. They're going to set the tone with, with their normal players. And I very well could see it being Tyler Croft because I think he's going to end up being tied into. And I can see a situation where you got him and Kittle on the same side of the ball, you motion a Debo or someone across the formation, you get some guys going, you find the mismatch, two guys run with Kittle and Croft's wide open in the back of the end zone. Yeah, and, and great one. Uh, thank you so much for all the great questions, by the way. You asked a lot of great questions in chat. And then we got Mr. Corey asking, Charlie Warner over under three touchdowns and 400 yards. Um, Jay in the base said way under Ant for Danny Gray and the five touchdowns. I'm going to go way under for Charlie Warner, three touchdowns and 400 yards. I think you're going to see no touchdowns from Charlie Warner, and you'll be lucky to see 150 yards from him. Ooh, oh, ah, I, I, I'm going to say, I'm going to go ahead and say he gets over a hundred yards for sure. Receiving. I, I'm guessing closer to like 199 okay. and two touchdowns for Charlie Warner. Two. 
Yeah, I, I just, I, I, for some reason, I just have it. I feel it. Uh, uh, 199 yards and two touchdowns for Charlie Warner because I do think some of the the red zone reps he's going to be blocking, and I think Tyler Croft is going to be the third tight end that sneaks out uh, and catches the ball. So. It's, it's good, man. It's it's really good. Uh, Niner Sickness is more excited to watch Raymond McLeod than he is to watch Danny Gray this season. I completely get that. The Niners are very high on him, so I would understand that. Bobo, given his prediction, Kittle, first touchdown of the season, $100 down, and he's putting money on the line. Wow. Oh, my goodness gracious. Great one is saying Raymond McLeod with the first touchdown of the season. So, I mean, I, I like this. I like this. Uh, and Mr. What? Corey, Alex yeah. is to Warner what I am to McGlinchey. Hold on a second. I don't <laughs> dislike Charlie Warner. I love Charlie Warner. I just understand what his limitations are as a football player. Ross Dwelly. Oh, Ross Dwelly is the better comparison. A hundred percent. Ross Dwelly yeah. is the actual name there. And, you know, since we're talking about tight ends, Alex, I would like to go ahead and say an RIP to Spencer Webb. Um, who who passed away? Alex uh, knew Spencer Webb, and a lot of our friends knew Spencer Webb from Oregon. So I would like to give an RIP to him. Uh, it's just too. It's sad that he had to pass away. You know, this young um, was a good dude, interesting dude, but a really good dude. And uh, just want to send uh, thoughts and prayers out to his family. Absolutely, man. Thoughts and prayers out to his family, all his friends. Um, a friend of ours who actually trained him while he was in 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 high school. That's actually how I met him. Was working with this trainer and being around Spencer while he was in the gym training, very lighthearted kid took his craft seriously, loved the game of football. Um, a really good friend, really good to the people that were in his life and that were important to him and worked really hard. Um, it's, gonna, it's a huge loss for the Oregon family, the university of Oregon, his family, all his friends. Um, it, it's terrible thing to happen and, and tragic, unfortunate situation. And I just wish them all the best and hope that during this time, they're able to get some, some closure and, and, you know, support and love each other. Yeah. Uh, much respect, you know, to his family and everything they did for him all the, all the while. So uh, RIP to uh, Spencer Webb. Absolutely. And uh, let, let's see what, what we got going on here. Uh, Jay Murr says, just because I'm saying juice gets the first TD. Sorry, Alex. I mean, so look, he Murr is just, just, just because you said he's not, Pemer's on it. And you know what? I hope, I hope Pemer ends up being right. And I hope uh, I have a, a nice big, fat crow in my face and i hope uh foot in mouth uh first game of the season as kyle yuschek is walking into the end zone uh, everyone is spamming in discord suck it alex so, <laughs> that's what i'm hoping hey, for hey michael humphrey says actually my bold prediction is a tight end is the tight ends are kittle croft and jordan matthews that's bold that's I love bold. that that's bold and and i mean look it there it's not far-fetched it's really not far-fetched for that to, to happen. Jordan Matthews 100% could. He's been in this system before. He's played for Kyle Shanahan. He's played for this team. He, he understands what it takes to, to play in this offense and what his role is going to be. The question is just going to be, can he execute the other half? Yeah, you're right. I mean, it, it's uh, if he can block, uh, he, he's going to have an opportunity to, to make some big-time plays uh, for this team. D. Will says... Now I would like to see a Kinlaw strip sack return for a TD. Yeah, if that happens, I want him just straight chomping on something right after it's over, too. Just, yeah, I, I think that would be fun. Three years in the league, and he's got a pick six and, and a strip sack fumble recovery touchdown. That would be absolutely bonkers. Yeah, that, that would definitely be great. Uh, Lou says, first fumble will be Ray Ray. My buddy, a Steeler fanatic, was happy he left because he says he puts the ball on the ground too much. The good news is 
with good coaching and a focus from a player, fumbling issues can be managed. They can be fixed. So that's something that Brian Schneider is going to have to work on, but hopefully he can fix Ray Ray McLeod's fumble issues because they also need to fix Jermichael Hasey's fumble issues and Jeff Wilson Jr.'s fumble issues. And if they do, uh, I think they'll secure the ball a lot better this year because you don't want turnovers on special teams, especially from your returner. Ray Ray McLeod is definitely going to be that. Uh, yeah, you don't want any turnovers. You don't want any fumbles. Um, last year, everyone was panicking about Brandon Ayuk. Just not catching the ball on punts. Uh, the last thing we need is more headaches at the special team spot. So uh, hopefully the coaching points are up to par and up to snuff here, and they're able to correct, course correct, whatever issues were going on uh, with Ray Ray in Pittsburgh. Um, keep in mind with Pittsburgh, just the Steelers in general, it seems like, seems like they do have some cultural issues just in terms of how players, you know, prepare and get themselves ready for football games. There's a lot of turmoil in Pittsburgh all of the time with their players. Um, that, that, that could be a part of it. There's just a lack of focus on minor, small details. That doesn't tend to be the case in San Francisco. No, it's all about the TikTok game. You just don't understand no. it. Come uh, on. You're, you're, you're right. You are right about that. I don't <laughs> understand it. I do not understand the TikTok game. And we have another one here from a uh, great one. He says, you guys think Tarverius Moore will have a breakout year. I think he wins the safety spot. Oh, I love that great one. It's bold, man. He's on the Chapman train with this because Chapman's very high on Tavarius Moore. Look, I, 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 I would not be shocked if he won the job. And if he won the job, I would expect him to have a breakout year. I'd have to expect him to have a huge year because that means he's elevated above and beyond what Talano Hufanga is and what they believe Hufanga could be if he had a year to develop, right? An extra year of just getting the reps and getting the snaps. And our defense is good enough to overcome what Hufanga could be on the field right now. If Tavarius Moore elevates into that, this 49ers defense is set. Like they're, they're truly, truly set. Well, I think he definitely can't be slept on. He has a lot of ability. Um, he's one of those guys that can definitely, you know, get after it. I think Tarverius Moore is a very exciting player and we'll see what his development has been. Unfortunately, he's been dealing with the Achilles for over a year now. So hopefully he's back and ready to go because his four, three speed allows him more range than any other safety on the entire roster. He played good in the box in 2020, which is a good sign. I think that he's got potential to go in there start, but all the conversations that have been coming and all the comments from D'Amico Ryans from this coaching staff has been that our, you know, that our guy Talano Ufonga is doing pretty good. And I like more, and I thought this was going to be more of a competition, but their comments have led me to believe that Talano Ufonga is the leader in the clubhouse and that Moore is the guy that's behind. But we'll see when we get out there at training camp because things can change in a blink of an eye. And we might be talking, you know, a few days into training camp that, hey, Tarverius Moore's looking good. He's fast. He's closing all the things that he needs to do. And if that's the case, he's got realistic ability to cover somebody one on one the same way Jimmy Ward does, even better than a uh, Jaquiski Tart that they lost. So I think that, Ta that Tarverius Moore does have an opportunity to start. I think Hufong is a leader, but Moore's right there with him. Uh, yeah, I, it's going to be close, man. And yeah, Tarverius Moore has a lot of upside and a lot of special traits that Hufanga doesn't have. The speed is one of them. Uh, the speed is one of them. The coverage skills is, is one of them Tarverius, for Tarverius Moore. But we'll see. We'll see how that plays out. And we'll see how Hufanga has developed. That's going to be the real key here. But Brad Jones and asking the question that really needed to be asked and needs to be answered. What about Leon O'Neill Jr.? Hello, practice squad. Woo! Uh, I, I think Leon O'Neill Jr. is a fine player. I, I have a little bit of issues with the fluidity in his hips. Just seeing him turn and run with wide receivers and tight ends makes me a little bit nervous. 
I think there is some potential there that needs to be developed. He's one of those guys that would operate well in the box. But to me, he's not even to the level of Talano Hufanga. And Hufanga, when he came out last year, was thought in the same light. Now, Hufanga has definitely developed, but there is still some coverage things he needs to work on. So I think, you know, the, the top four safeties for the 49ers is kind of defined. It's Jimmy Ward, it's Talano Hufanga, it's Tarverius Moore, and it's George Odom. And I think the other two safeties, uh, Leon O'Neill and Taylor Hawkins, are battling it out to see which one of them ends up making it to the practice squad. Of course, they're one injury away from being a part of this active roster, but um, I think they've got a lot of potential, but they got a lot of work. And in fact, when it comes down to it, I mean, I actually like Taylor Hawkins a little bit better than Leon O'Neill. I'm in the minority and I'm, I'm okay with that. I like being in the minority when it comes to this because um, I just think that Taylor Hawkins got a little bit more ability and natural instinct than Leon O'Neill. Plus, I can't get it out of my mind watching Leon O'Neill get absolutely ran over by TDP. <laughs> he did. He really did. I forgot about that film. And uh, look, yeah. at the end of the day with Leon O'Neill Jr., um, you know, I, I got a book there on the shelf right behind me, and I can't oh, there uh, this way. If I go this way, it's uh, right there, right off, just off my ear there. It's uh, Sun Tzu, The Art of War. And it, Sun Tzu talks about if you know yourself and you know your enemy, you need not fear the result of a thousand battles. You just, you just don't have to. Well, in this case, Ant, uh, I don't have any enemies in this, but uh, I know the 49ers. Uh, I, I know the safety position, right? I know Jimmy Ward. I know Talon Ofonga. I know Tavares Moore. Uh, and, and I know Leon O'Neill Jr., Enough to tell you that I need not fear the results of this training camp in which Leon O'Neill Jr. will be on the practice squad. He won't be anywhere else. They guaranteed him money. They want him around. They want to see what he can turn into and develop. They want to see what he can add to the system, but they're not looking to see what he can add to the system this year. They're looking to see what he can develop into in the future. Yeah, and uh, Jay in the Bay just asked a question, Alex, and I'm, I'm kind of glad he did. Question. He said, what is slightly offside? So slightly offside is a show with me and horse. And I don't know if Jay knows who horse is, but horse has been on some things over the years. Uh, he's a very interesting guy who likes to take things a little bit off sides. So we took it, we put it behind the payroll paywall. It's for channel members. It's for Patreon. And sometimes it goes off sides. And this episode, there's a couple moments that definitely go off sides. And the episode nine just went live today at three o'clock. So if you haven't had an opportunity in your channel member or patron, you can go check that out. And if you want to check it out, you can become a channel member or patron today and check out Slightly Offsides. Uh, it's a little bit of a different spin, and it's a, it's pretty fun. We have we go over the 49ers topics, uh, but it's a little more loose, light-hearted uh, at times, and sometimes horse just goes offsides. And sometimes it's not even provoked yet. It's, it's, it's intentional. <laughs> he just wants to make sure that that whistle – he wants to make sure the whistle's working, right? He wants to make sure that people are paying attention and are, are, and are going to call him offsides. Uh, which is absolutely great. Uh, that is that is a, a fantastic show. So if you are not over on Patreon, if you're not a channel member here on YouTube, uh, I don't I don't know what you're doing. I don't know what you're waiting on. Uh, that alone is worth the price of admission. Yeah, and P. Mer says, "Come on, Ant. You tell me you've never been trucked. It happens. I have absolutely been trucked. I played football. You get trucked. I'm just saying I can't get that out of my mind." Uh, it's just something I saw, and, and now it's just it's stuck hey. in there. But, yeah, everyone gets trucked. I understand that. But when you're built on being an enforcer and you get trucked, uh, people tend to remember that a little bit. And it's not just that. There's a difference between getting trucked and there's a difference between that trucking. Like that trucking, it, it sticks. It sticks in your head. Just like, a, just like a, oh, man, when we were at Toke, when we were coaching at Toke, uh, that playoff game, the playoff game, Grant Toke, where Gabe got trucked, uh, a kid that we had both coached 
talented kid, worked really hard. It, not not it's by Devontae, it's by Devontae Booker. It's Devontae Booker, literally. NFL, the difference, right? Difference between the two kids. Difference between the yeah. two kids. Devontae Booker is gonna go play college. He's gonna become a professional running back. Gabe is a really good football player, doesn't have that size. He's he's not going to go play D1, he's not gonna go play professional. Devontae Booker literally like trucks him and sends him flying backwards with felt like 20 yards and then put his foot on his chest and stepped on him and walked through him into the end zone. Like when you get trucked the way that, that Leon O'Neill Jr. did, you rem- you remember the- those things stick in your head. You don't just forget those things. No, you don't. And Jay in the base says he never got trucked in the gridiron, which I'm, I'm very happy for you because I think right. every one of, I know I was ear hold. I was trucked. I played against guys that were bigger than me when I was growing up. Like there was dudes that, I mean, so good, good up to Jay in the Bay. But I mean, yeah, everyone gets trucked. I, I'm not saying that that's a negative on Leon O'Neal. I'm just saying I can't get that out of my head. Like that's what I think about now. Uh, but yeah, you're right. That Devonte Booker trucking Gabe uh, is is one thing I can't forget either. I mean, it was I'll, an absolute. I'll never forget that. It, it was a crazy hit. I mean, I th- couldn't, that, I couldn't that, believe that, that Grant I, team was impressive. That Grant team was absolutely incredible. I, but it was one of those things where it's like. You, you know something special is going to happen with that team on the football field, but when it happened, it was just like, I've never seen anything like that before. I'll probably never see anything like that ever in my entire life, like ever again. It was absolutely bonkers. Uh, and, and then, you know, Jay in the Bay here with another solid question, and hit or miss, I've never heard of it. What's hit or miss? It's another <laughs> show over on our Patreon and for our channel members here on YouTube in which Ant and Heather go over some uh, some wonderful 49ers inspired musical numbers and uh, decipher whether or not it's a hit or a miss and have a lot of fun with it. So if you enjoy music, you enjoyed 49ers inspired musical numbers and not like actual musicals, but like songs, <laughs> then head on over to Patreon as well, because maybe you don't like it when people go off sides. Maybe you're more of a, a musical person. Music gets you going and gets you flowing. It makes you excited about your football team. Well, you can have some fun with hit or miss over on Patreon as well. Yeah, we're getting ready to film some more episodes uh, coming up, so you can go check out the first two now. There'll be more coming your way. And I've got something special planned for Hit or Miss, so you're not going to want to miss the next one because I landed on a gold mine, and I think everyone that's over on Patreon is going to be excited when they see it. I I can't say it's going to be a hit, but enjoy the miss because it is a complete miss. I mean, this is a Ray Finkel caliber miss, and I'm excited to bring it to everyone once we film that episode. I'll make sure to let everyone know. Uh, I'm, I'm excited now, now. Now you got me. You got me juicy. I'm jacked. I always love it when there's a good miss. Ant. <laughs> hits, hits are nice, right? Hits are nice, but not everything can be a hit. Some things are going to be misses, and sometimes you have those misses that are like kind of cringy and hard to watch, and then sometimes oh. you have those misses that are extremely entertaining and it's just absolutely glorious. Those are the misses I want in my life. Those are the misses. Yeah. Well, there, there's going to be some misses headed your way pretty soon. Oh, yeah. Uh, so I, I think that's going to be fun. And and Lou, thanks. Uh, said it's a great place to hang out. Thanks, guys. Always nice to have Lou in the conversation because uh, he asks good questions. And if you guys can ask good questions, too, in the comments, of course, in chat anytime we're live. But even when we're not live, ask in the comment section. We'll definitely get back to you. And we'll just continue to have the conversation. Uh, D. Will likes hit or miss as well. He said good stuff. So we'll have to bring that uh, and get it and get it done. Uh, oh yeah. And Bobo, we appreciate that, man. You guys are awesome. And thank you for doing what you guys do. Bobo, man, I really appreciate that. It's very humbling to hear that from the TCC, enjoying what we're doing and the content we're putting out. Um, you know, a lot of the, we would be doing this on our own. If, if we did, weren't doing this, right. We'd be sitting on our, on our couches or at, at one of our houses, having these conversations and talking 49ers football and getting excited for the season. 
uh, it's even better to share it all with you. So thank you for supporting this channel. We, uh, we greatly appreciate it. Yeah, exactly. I really appreciate everyone that's been coming through. Uh, everyone's been doing a great job and, and helping us out, you know, promoting the, the, the channel as well. And we're on the push for 3K. So if you're watching, you haven't subscribed yet, go ahead and hit that subscribe button. Uh, we'd really appreciate it. It helps us out. And, you know, if you're feeling like you want to do extra, you can always, you know, become a channel member. There's there's perks to that. There's also perks from joining uh, over on Patreon. I'm actually going to put out something a little bit special over the weekend. I filmed something. It's real short, but it's for the first time ever. 49ers rumors, Alex, Ooh. because a rumor has been brought up. Uh, and actually, it was something that I heard about a couple of months ago. So I'm going to go ahead and bring it up. I was not going to say anything because I, it wasn't you know, out there. It wasn't verified. But now that it's being brought up by national media, I'm like, wait, maybe there's some tread here. So I'm going to go ahead and drop that on Patreon. It's going to be a little short clip. But everyone on Patreon can go ahead and enjoy 49ers rumors. And whenever I get some firsthand knowledge or whenever we hear something, I'm going to go ahead and throw it on there. Well, well, well. So now there's even more incentive for the cutback crew and the faithful and to hop over to Patreon. Because when there is breaking news or things swirling that you're sitting there wondering, could there be any factual basis to this? Ant's going to be coming at you with 49ers rumors. Oh, my goodness gracious. And this this right here. Oh, uh, now I'm excited. Are you kidding me? Yeah. So so get ready for that. I'm, I'm going to drop it. I'll probably drop it tomorrow. Uh, just so everyone knows. And if you have Patreon, of course, you'll get notified. It's going to be a Patreon exclusive. Uh, so, so be ready for that. I think it's going to be exciting. And Alex, I think it was a great show. Chat was lit. Uh, it was fun to go over all these topics, 49er land. We had some great Q&A. Everyone did a good job bringing the questions. And I'm excited for the rest of the content that's coming out this week. We have position battles. Of course, tomorrow there's you know a really, really good position battle because it's Jake Brendel versus the offensive line competition that's coming his way. Then on Saturday, they've got Samson Ebucom set to explode. Uh, we're going to be talking about Samson Ebucom and his effect in 2022. And then on Sunday, the training camp battles are back. It's this time it's Jordan Willis versus Kerry Heider. And then next Monday, we have a live stream, of course. So make sure you hop on for Monday's live stream. And then on Tuesday, we're back at you again with another one because we're going to be talking about the most vital piece for the 49ers on defense and how they're going to help and be uh, make the defense more successful. Look, they're not, you're not going to want to miss any of this, TCC. Uh, the Ebucom conversation coming up this weekend is absolutely phenomenal. It is fantastic. Um, it, the, all the conversations, the position battles we still have left, everything that is coming at you is is from a heart and, and just honestly and it, good stuff. It's it's great stuff. We felt really good about it while recording it, while doing it. Felt even better about it afterwards, and you're going to enjoy it, TCC. So make sure you're subscribed if you haven't already. Hit that notification bell. Like the video. And Bobo, don't you worry. It is not Grant Cohn. Never Grant Cohn. But if you want Grant Cohn uh, stuff horsting around, this week is about Grant Cohn. So just, just a little teaser there. Uh, so you guys can go check that out. If you're a channel member over on Patreon, it, it, it got it got interesting. I'm glad it wasn't the horse thing around he initially pitched to me, uh, but uh, we'll take it. So Alex, another great show. Looking forward to the next one. Uh, I think it's going to be fun. And you know what time it is. Let's chalk another one up. Later, TCs.
You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.